Welcome back to Reading Together. We are discussing chapter 3 of Mortification of Sin by John Owen. And if the first two chapters have not yet convinced you of the great value of this book, then I think this third chapter should soundly accomplish that task. So, the subject at hand is the, uh, is the second of the three big principles for mortifying sin that Owen began to discuss uh, last chapter and will continue uh, and will conclude in the following chapter. And so this principle is, this second principle is, the Holy Spirit alone is sufficient for the work of mortifying our indwelling sin. And of course, this is um, this principle is based upon uh, that central verse that Owen explained to us in chapter 1, Romans 8, 13, that he's basing this entire book on, um, and particularly, like I said, that second half of the verse. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so now he's essentially expounding upon that, 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 that first little phrase. If by the Spirit, the mortification, the killing, uh, the body of sin within us is only possible by the Holy Spirit. And so he divides this chapter into two parts. So the first part examines why other remedies for sin are insufficient, and the second details um, how exactly the Spirit does that work within us and why, um, and why it is that the Spirit is the only one capable of allowing us to do that. So first, one frankly declares this, quote, in vain do other men do men seek other remedies; they shall not be healed by them. End quote. And that's page thirty-nine. And he then particularly turns his attention to what he calls the greatest part of the pope of popish religion, and by that he means Roman Catholicism. Right. And so he notes that many of the intricacies of Catholicism, such as quote their vows, orders, fastings, penances, end quote, are designed for the mortifying of sin, right? So the, the Catholic religion sets up all of these all of these devices of religion in order for the expressed purpose of mortifying sin. And yet, he says they're completely insufficient. And indeed, um, on page 40, he compares these prescriptions for killing sin, because that's exactly what they are, right? Uh, these penances, these vows, these fastings, um, there's just these 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 prescriptions, just as a doctor would write a prescription for uh, for an antibiotic to kill uh, bacteria within us when we have an infection, right? These are prescriptions for how to kill the sin that still dwells within us. And yet he compares these prescriptions for killing sin to the demonic locusts of Revelation chapter 9, which if you... Um, if you, if you don't remember that, uh, go back and read that chapter. Those are the, um, the, 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 the demon locusts that come in and they sting people. And it says that, uh, that they torment people um, such that they long to die and yet cannot do so, right? And so it's uh, worth noting here. And he'll, 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 exp he'll explain and come back to this um, uh, to, the, uh, to the end. Uh, at the at the end of this chapter as well for um, for for why exactly he's using such uh, such harsh language to de to describe this because um, really this these these insufficient means of mortifying sin um, really puts puts the person in a, um, in a in a in a in an awful place right but I think it is worth noting since since he's talking about this many of us um, today um, it's, you know almost more than five hundred years removed from the Reformation right um, are probably not used to 
I'm speaking of, of Roman Catholicism as the popish religion, and I think it is worth um, noting that um, he does say the greatest part of popish religion. Um, I think that Owen uh, seems to have the same view of Roman Catholicism uh, that, that, that I would have of Roman Catholicism, which is that it is a false church, um, that it is uh, that, 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 that the, the doctrines that they hold to, the practices that they make are are many of them are largely unbiblical um, and it is a it is a it is a church that has left the gospel of Jesus Christ right and yet because they hold to the scriptures um, because they hold to the basic tenets of the faith I think that it is possible um, for and I think there are there are Christians true believers within Roman Catholicism right um, so I think that's a distinction um, that is to be made right um, is that there is is that there that it is possible for it is possible and I think there are true believers um, that call themselves Catholics uh, that are that do place themselves within Roman Catholicism while the Roman Catholicism uh, while Roman Catholicism itself is a false church and the greatest part of of them are de are deceived and so but notice um, on uh, further down on page forty he does. Uh, he does not let Protestants off the hook, though. <laughs> but instead, um, he notes that such outside endeavors, such bodily exercises, such self-performances, such merely legal duties without the least mention of Christ or his spirit by fellow Protestants was, was one motive to the publishing of this plain discourse. So instead, so indeed, it wasn't. It wasn't just the the, the deception of Roman Catholicism on the outside, right? But instead, one of the main reasons for him wanting to publish this book is because uh, that he saw fellow Protestants doing the exact same thing, right? Having the having the exact the, the exact same mentality of outward performance of religion that doesn't actually do anything inward, right? That's not relying upon the Holy Spirit, right? And so he goes on to list two reasons why such ascetic forms of religion, right, that self-flagellating, uh, bodily, bodily punishing forms of religion cannot truly mortify sin. So first, he says they use means that God has not commanded. And then second, they misuse the means that God has rightly commanded, right? This is page 41. And in the first place, he, sa he notes that men add religious duties for the purpose of killing sin. And yet God has not promised, and in many cases explicitly warns against such man-made ideas of devotion. So, in the second place, he speaks to things that God has ordained for us, right? So things like prayer, fasting, watching, meditation, and the like. And he says that they are used improperly, right? So no one notes that. Quote, whereas they are to be looked on as streams... They look on them as the fountain. Whereas they affect and accomplish the end only as means subordinate to the spirit and faith, they look to them to do it by virtue of the work wrought. So in other words, they have just a, an incorrect view of the means of grace, right? They're, they, the means of grace are a, fount, are a stream flowing from the fountain, right? The fountain is the source. But instead, they're treating prayer, fasting, watching, meditation, all of these spiritual disciplines that are good, that are life-giving to us, that are an outflow of the Spirit's work that He's doing in us, but they treat them as the source, 
they look to them instead of looking to the spirit as the fountain uh, that is that is using those means as a as as a way to bring uh, to bring grace into our lives to give us life through His Word. And in this case, so the problem is not with the duties themselves, but with how we use them. So duties, right? So are excellent food for a healthy soul. They are no physic for a sick soul. Spiritually sick man cannot sweat out their distemper with working, right? And have you ever tried that? Have you ever had a fever and tried to go and sweat out your fever by uh, going out and hauling bales of hay, right? <laughs> or going, uh, or going and, 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 and digging a ditch, or you know, like going, going to do some, some, some difficult work, right? That's that's not how we get rid of a fever, right? The way we get rid of right a fever is is, is not is not chased away with working and that's the and I love that analogy that he that he that he uses for that because that's the exact same mentality that people have when when we think that we can do enough spiritual exercises um, in order to work off our sin in order to fight back our sin right no 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 like these duties are a means of grace only after we have been raised to life in Christ only after Christ has healed our sin sick souls they will by no means kill sin and give life in and of themselves. Christ alone, by his spirit, does that. And so this leads us to the second point that Owen expounds upon, which is the principle at hand, that mortification is a work of the spirit. And he begins by making two points. One, uh, that the spirit has been given to us for just this purpose, that God has given us the spirit to kill the sin within us. And then two, that mortification is a gift of Christ communicated to us and given us by the spirit of Christ. So of this, he appropriately states, Jesus appropriately cites Jesus' words in John chapter 15, verse 5, that without me, you can do nothing. We cannot mortify sin truly without the work of Christ in us through his spirit. And then he concludes the chapter by addressing two questions that pertain uh, to this second point. So the first is, how doth the spirit mortify sin? This is page 43. He explains that the Spirit does so in three ways. So first, he causes grace and its fruits to abound, which inevitably weakens and uproots the sin within us. After all, as he displays from Galatians chapter 5, the fruits of the Spirit and the fruits of the flesh are diametrically opposed to one another, right? So when one flourishes, the other wilts. And that's how it has to work, right? So one of the best ways to uproot our sin, one of the best ways that we can that we can uh, decrease sin's foothold in our life is simply by growing in grace. Is if we want to decrease the our love for our sin, we must increase our love for Christ, because the two cannot dwell together, right? Um, so the next thing that he says. Point two, he says, but the Spirit also does directly attack the roots of our sin. And I love this line that he gives on page 44. He, the Spirit, is the fire which burns up the very root of lust. Right? So he's not just interested in, in, in positively right, um, creating those, those fruits of grace within us, but also the Spirit does directly target our sin. And then finally, point three, quote, quoting Owen here, he brings the cross of Christ into the heart of a sinner by faith. 
and gives us communion with Christ in his death and fellowship in his sufferings. Now, the second question that Owen answers is, if this be the work of the Spirit alone, how is it that we are exhorted to it? In other words, if the Spirit is the one that's doing it, then why are we also called to do it, right? If it's only by the Spirit that we put to death uh, the deeds of the body, then, then, then why do we have to be exhorted to kill our sin at all? And he explains that the Spirit does the work, but he does it in us and makes it still an act of our obedience. So he says on page 45, the Spirit works upon our wills, our understandings, wills, consciences, and affections. He works in us and with us, not against us or without us. Of course, we see this in Philippians 2, where we're told, 2.13, we're told, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure, right? So it's not one or the other. It is the Spirit who empowers us to work. He doesn't work against us. He doesn't work without us. But instead, he works in us and through us and with us. Isn't that a, a wonderful thing? That the, that the Spirit is actually enabling our own obedience so that it is our obedience that is coming from within us. And yet it is by his strength, by his grace alone that we are able to do that. From this final point, he essentially returns and uh, reiterates and laments further upon his first point of the futility of attempting to mortify sin without the Spirit. And so he ends the chapter by movingly um, pointing out that um, to, you know, to, to do this, to, to try to mortify sin without the work of the Spirit, to just do so in our own strength, he says this, quote, this is the saddest warfare that any poor creature can be engaged in. A soul under the com- under the power of conviction from the law is pressed to fight against sin, but hath no strength for the combat. They cannot but fight, and they can never conquer. They are like men thrust on the sword of enemies in purpose to be slain. The law drives them on, and sin beats them back. So like the warning that the author of Hebrews gives in chapter 10, verse 20, Seven, such spiritless war against sin only leaves in a person a fearful expectation of judgment and offers no comfort as the day of wrath moves nearer and nearer. And this is why Owen uh, decided to use that, that, that illustration of Romans 9, of those, of those, those demonic locusts, um, to describe this kind, of, this kind of man-made religion is because it it really is lamentable. It is the saddest kind of warfare that we can engage in to be driven on by the law and beaten back by sin, right? It's legitimately a rock and a hard place. And yet, no one doesn't end the chapter there, but instead, he concludes the chapter with a sobering question, which I think that since he let the chapter linger with that question, it would be good for us to let it linger in the air as well. So after speaking of, of those people, after telling us about, the, um, about how good it is that the Father has given us the Spirit to work in us, he has one last question for us. For those who, um, and this is a question directed for those who, um, who both are not using the Spirit and those who aren't even striving in their own 
um, in their own flesh to kill their sin, right? So what of those people? He says, And if the case be so bad with them, who labor and strive and yet enter not into the kingdom, what is their condition who despise all this, who are perpetually under the power and dominion of sin and love to have it so, and are so and are troubled at nothing but that they cannot make sufficient provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Hmm. May that never be true of us by the grace of Christ uh, through his Holy Spirit. I love you. Grace.